0: Welcome to episode 200 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theater featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. As I said, this is episode 200 and like I said last week, instead of doing some kind of retrospective or special event, I thought I would do what I always do and bring you a conversation with a theater artist. But before I do, I wanted to ask you if you've subscribed to Stageworthy. I know that a great number of people are listening by finding the episodes on posts on social media, but that's not a great way to listen every week. A better way would be to subscribe. And you can do that by searching for Stageworthy on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and clicking the handy subscribe button. And if you subscribe, let me know. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at stageworthypodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rickaby, and my website is philrickaby.com. My guest this week is Emily Dix. Emily is a director, producer, and designer, and the artistic executive director of Bygone Theatre. She is also the founder and executive director of the Toronto Independent Theatre Coalition. what what initially drew you to theater how how did you get into into theater
1: i was very very small Mm -hmm. um and was doing theatrical type things like i i would play with my friends and i would write little scripts Mm -hmm. and um try and get them to like do something consistent and rehearse it and um that didn't go over well when i was like four years old um We don't have a lot of theatre people in the family. I do have a a great uncle who lives Mm -hmm. in Ottawa who's been doing theatre forever. Um, So it wasn't a totally foreign thing. And my dad, when he was the age I am now, used to do um, stuff with uh, like Scarborough Music Theatre and all of that, basically did that until I was born. So even though I did not have an artsy family, um, there were at least a couple people who realized, oh, maybe she wants to do theatre. But growing up in Kitchener Uh and then Waterloo, there like, there's nothing. There's nothing mm-hmm. there. So I think I was probably twelve the first time I actually got to go into a drama thing, and then in high school um, was when I started getting to do more of it.
0: Did you see any plays when you were growing up? Did you get the opportunity to go to really. to see anything? So no. you you instinctually were trying to get people to put on plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that before. That is weird. Any idea <laughs> yeah. where that came from? Huh.
1: Um, well my parents would say I'm just bossy. Oh, yeah, which okay. is uh, <laughs> which is maybe part of it. I saw a lot of my cousins when I was little and, and they were um just a little bit younger than me and mm-hmm. I was always put in charge. Okay. So I think I was used to being in um kind of a, a leadership role mm-hmm. with things and that happened at school too. I just was like a good little student and so you know, if there were new kids or whatever, I was always like showing people mm-hmm. things. Um so that may be mixed with some of it, and mm-hmm. I read a lot. It's the only other thing. Right. I was a major, major bookworm. Mm-hmm. Like I was a kid that would literally, like, walking from class to gym class, would have my book out mm-hmm. in, in the hallway.
0: Did you go to the? Did you buy books or go to the library when you were younger?
1: Mostly library, but I got books for like every occasion. And my yeah. uncle, who was the um, the drama guy, he was a teacher, so he always sent me things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into strange stuff when I was young because I was quite a bit above my reading level and the things I was interested in were like dark. I remember arguing with my mom when I was probably eight because I had read all the Goosebumps books and Mm -hmm. I was like, these are boring. And then I heard about Stephen King and she's like, you can't read Stephen King. That's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, So they got me into reading a lot of classics, um, which is probably where a lot of my like vintage loves started. Mm -hmm, mm I was nine or 10 when I read all of the Grimm brother fairy tales for the first time Mm -hmm. Um, I watched old movies with my my mom's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I guess that was probably part of it too. I think my because my parents knew I liked horror and stuff, but they didn't want me watching gory stuff as a kid. I I don't remember the first time I saw Hitchcock, but I would have been seven or eight. So I
0: I was always interested mm. in old stories. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know some <laughs> kind of weird mix of all those things.
0: Yeah, but when you went to you finally were in 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 high school, you started to do some some theater. Yeah, I, I
1: took drama all the way through. Yeah, um, my high school did not have a good drama program. They were very sports heavy. It was a new school, um, so they didn't have like I went to one for grade nine, then they opened one for grade ten, and it was it was a mess, and they didn't really have anything set. Um, but that meant. That I was kind of given free reign to do things, mm-hmm. so yeah, I um, I was always putting on stuff for different art shows, and yeah. I direct things for the Sears Festival and um, be into like the big musicals they do yeah. and all of that. So
0: it's I guess it's not a, I mean a lot of schools have more of a focus on their sports team than their theater programs, and, yeah, and uh, because I guess I don't know if the sports gets people scholarships and stuff. I don't, I don't know. know if it even yeah.
1: does. I think it just depends on what teachers you have there. Yeah. And we were um, a brand new school in a pretty new neighborhood with very young teachers. Yeah. Like we had in like our second year we were open, we had like five teachers on mat leave at the same time because everybody was like, like my, my one teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was in grade 10 or 11, he was only 25. So... Like, we had just really, really young people there. Um, I don't know. I I think arts is always hard to get funding for. There Mm. is an arts high school in Kitchener that I considered going to, but then everyone I talked to who had gone there was like, no. It's (laughs) it's snobby. It's more for the dancers. And I did a co-op placement there um, after I graduated. Like, I went to grade 12, and then I came back for a semester to do a co-op. And I did it there. And, yeah, I'm glad I didn't go to that school. (laughs)
0: <clears throat> At what point did you realize that theater was something that that you wanted to to do and to make the focus of your life?
1: Mm. I had wanted to be a teacher since before I was in school. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's another one where I don't know exactly what made me first want to do that, but I fully intend to do that even up through university. Mm-hmm. And as I got older and realized I liked um, English drama and uh the social sciences I figured okay well if I teach high school then I can do all these things and I'll run the drama programs because Mm -hmm. I was frustrated by how poorly run a lot of the drama programs were um and then I guess sometime in my teens I started to realize okay maybe I could actually have a career doing theater stuff Mm -hmm. but I thought well I'll do that for a few years and then I'll go and be a teacher Mm -hmm. because the teachers I had who had theater careers before they went to teaching were way better than the ones who were like literally reading a Stanislavski from a book Yes. Um, so that was sort of the intention but um, I've always been a really practical person Mm -hmm. so I didn't give too much thought to to doing anything like that and then I got into university uh, realized there are no teaching jobs (laughs) decided okay I'm not going to spend another eight grand to do a master's, um, especially once they made it so Teachers College was two years, because then I like I had always planned I was going to go through and do my undergrad, right. do the Master's of Child Development at OISE. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, that's that's a lot of money for something that might not put me ahead, and there's no jobs, yeah. and okay, I'll just see what I can find. And I started working <laughs> in theater and have been able to like get just enough work mm-hmm. to justify sticking with that for the yeah. last six, seven years. Nine years, whatever it's. Been. Did you
0: did you go through university uh, aiming to be a teacher? Or did you end up like changing tracks or?
1: No, I, I planned on being a teacher. Yeah. Um, because the only two jobs I have consistently wanted my whole life that I thought I could actually do mm-hmm. besides theater stuff was uh, teaching, or um, social work or some okay. kind of counseling thing. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that made me change my mind on social work because I had pretty much decided on that when I was in like grade eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, I took. Um, My sister, when she was in grade seven or eight, had a class trip uh, to Toronto to see Wicked, and I went as one of the chaperones. Mm -hmm. And Wicked's not even... I mean, it's like an impressive musical, but it's it's almost embarrassing now to say that that's the show that maybe made me be like, oh, fuck it, I have to do theater instead. (laughs) But still, I was like, I just feel so much... Better, mm-hmm. I, I feel better in a theater, regardless of where I am. I yeah. always like relax and feel focused. And I was worried that if I did social work, I would burn out really fast,
0: which does it, tend to happen. It does.
1: And I thought, you know, there's lots of different things I can do that are related to mm-hmm. that without making that be my
0: job that yeah. like,
1: kills me every day. So yeah, yeah.
0: So did you did because you know looking looking at your website, you're more around directing and designing and that sort of thing. Did you go into acting and then? find your way into into producing and acting and directing and that sort of thing or
1: yeah i um so in high school i always did the um the directing Mm -hmm. um and things but it was like you know you're in a class maybe two people to direct there wasn't a lot of uh of competition um I still like acting, but I hate auditioning. Mm -hmm. I know no one likes Mm -hmm. auditioning, but like it just makes me like physically ill. Okay. Um, So I stopped. I mean, if I had a friend be like, hey, you want to be in this? I would gladly do it now. But um, I'm not full of myself enough to just cast myself in things. Right. And I I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I got sick of going to auditions and leaving being like, I'm so much better than what I just did. And I don't. Like I, I wouldn't feel anxious. So all the things people would say, like, "Oh, do your breathing," and like, no, yeah. I go in and I feel totally calm, and I just suck at it. So it's like, like a anxiety in the back of my head that screws me up. <clears throat>
0: it's this really weird thing because I've encountered people who are really great at auditioning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're really terrible in shows. Yeah, I've met or, those too. <laughs> or or in the rehearsal hall, like mm-hmm. like somehow they get work because they're so good in the in the audition room, but. Yeah not good in performance and there are people who are terrible at auditioning and they're really good to have in a in a a production it's almost like you just need to get that into that production and then maybe people will say like you know who you need to hire is so and yeah that's why you
1: have to go and see people (laughs) in shows and and actors need to invite people out to see them because yeah there have been lots of people i've cast um as really small Parts because uh-huh. they will be like, there's something I like about them. I don't know, and then yeah. they turn out to be great. Yeah. And occasionally, I end up wishing I'd given them a bigger part. Right. But almost <clears throat> always, I end up working with them again and <clears throat> doing something bigger with them. So, yeah. so
0: how did you start? I mean, aside from uh, you, your, your parents would say that you're bossy, <laughs> and you, um, you, you directed all of your friends and family and shows yeah. when you were younger. Um, you made the transition really from 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 acting to directing. Um, do you remember what the first thing that you directed hmm. that when you weren't four was?
1: Uh, still really young, mm-hmm. but the first thing where someone would have called me a director was in grade four. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> my um,
1: my teacher, we found out was retiring at mm-hmm. the end of the year, and so I planned a surprise party for her, and we made this stupid little play. Um, it was sort of a Shrek type thing, but this is before Shrek came out, but it was like a, a weird, mm-hmm. it was probably really awful. <clears throat> but I wrote it, and uh, we practiced at lunch recess, and I right. collected things. Um, and so whenever we had, in in school, any assignments where we had to do those things, I was always the director. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, high school, again, I did a bunch of ones in class. The first thing outside <clears throat> of class was the Sears Festival in grade... 11, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I directed a god-awful play called uh, Liars by mm-hmm. Lindsay Price, who probably anyone who's my age who who went to school in Ontario has read step by her because she's Canadian, and You're she right. writes stuff that's really not very good, but is like a good show for high school students. Right, though. right, yeah. Um, that was just disastrous for so many reasons. <laughs> but, uh, but not enough to turn me off from it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I directed one for the series again the next year. Then went to university. I was in a show in my first year, and in second year, I applied to direct um, *Arsenic and Old Lace* mm-hmm. with Victoria College at U of T.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was when I was twenty.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when did you When did you uh, uh, start uh, *Bygone Theater*? Uh,
1: October of 2012.
0: And what was it that, that made you want to want to start your own theater company?
1: It was Spite Again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's led a lot of this. Um, so I did a lot of, of extracurricular theater stuff at U of T. I wasn't in the drama program. I was um, an English major, and I have a drama minor, so I studied mm-hmm. it. Um, but I did stuff at Hart House and with the different colleges. And I did a production of Hairspray at St. Michael's. Mm-hmm. Which um was fun but really stressful because we had a little bit under two months to put on a, a musical that had a cast of fifty-six. Oh my and God. I was doing the costumes and there there's so many things that went wrong. But ultimately it turned out really well and mm-hmm. we sold out and so it actually like made money. Um and then I realized after that like the producers uh had forgotten to invite any of any of the reviewers from the many campus oh papers that were there. Um, they, I didn't really get a thank you or anything. There were just like a lot of, I put in so much time and effort and nobody else on the project did to the same extent. Um, so I was kind of like, well, screw this. If I'm going to put in that much work, then I want full control because there had been issues like primarily with the stage manager who I didn't choose, but a producer did, and she never came to rehearsals and, like, literally never came mm. to rehearsal. Tried to miss the dress rehearsal, and I was like, no, you have to learn the whole show. <laughs> You're supposed to be calling it. Mm-hmm. The producer had promised me they would fire her if, if she was a problem, and I had been complaining the whole time. And there were just a bunch of things. And I'd had similar stuff when I did Arsenic, too, where it was like, I, th- I thought maybe the problem was that it was all students, and mm-hmm. so everyone else was putting... Their school ahead of other things, which I can't really fault them for. I thought, okay, if it's an outside thing, then maybe that won't be a problem. So um, I was sitting at home with my roommate and then boyfriend and was like, I'm going to make my own company. And they're like, sure. And I made a website and (laughs) I picked a name and I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I had just seen um, the movie version of Doubt and was like, oh, that'd make a great play, and then realized, oh, it is a play. Um, so that one is the only one we've done that hasn't really fit the same way with Bygone. I mean, uh-huh. it was still a period thing, and it is a play. that was a movie, but it, it's newer. Um, yeah, so we, we put that one on in January of uh, 2013, uh-huh. and it was technically a co-production with a uh, U of T group. Okay, um, they weren't involved in it except that they gave us free rehearsal space and then they got half the money,
0: so uh, well, yeah.
1: which sucked because that one was profitable. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Is is does by when you're when you're choosing shows for bygone is is period and having been a movie uh, 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 something that you look for?
1: Yeah, period definitely is. So we do shows that are written or set in the early to mid twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Um. And they have a cinematic aesthetic mm-hmm. is how we phrase it. So it happens to have been that most of them have either been plays originally um, that were made into movies and then people kind of forget about them as plays, like Rope, mm-hmm. yeah. that's on this year now at, at Shaw. Um, but when I did it, it hadn't been done. Mm-hmm. I don't even know when it had been done in Canada. Mm. There was a-, a West End revival um, in, like, 2011 or something like that. But then I haven't done for ages and ages. Right. Uh, same with, like, Dial for Murder. That doesn't right. really get put on anymore. Um, probably with good reason. It's, it's cheesy. It's pretty cheesy. But it's, cheap. But it's, it's also It's
0: also, I think, it's old enough that um, it's almost cliché yeah. now. Yeah. Because people have heard of it and seen it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of people didn't know it was a play. But... Um, yeah, but people still knew the title. Mm-hmm. and They're like, oh, yeah, it's something with a murder. And I'm like, yeah, that's... Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so we've done either those or we'll have ones that are films that we've made into stage adaptations. Mm-hmm. So, His Girl Friday, we did a, a couple years ago. Um, it's based on the front page, which is a play, but that play didn't have Hildy Johnson and it was two men. Right. And then it was made into the film. And then the film has been public domain for ages. Mm-hmm. So my uncle, um, not the one from before, a different uncle who wants to get into writing, uh, did an adaptation of it, which basically just cut down the number of characters, made it basically two locations, mm-hmm. um, but then kept it so, kept it as Hildy. So then mm-hmm. we had the cause that's the best part of the movie is Rosalind Russell. So, <laughs> um, so we did that, and then when we did um, the Rear Window this past spring. Uh, I wrote a adaptation of that because it was based on a short story, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> is a problematic short story, but it's like the basic sort of concept to it. It's like, it was written in the, the early 50s, but it sounds like it was written in like the 30s. There's um, a character, Charlie, and the only thing I took of that is that mm-hmm. there was a character named Charlie in the one I did. But he's, um, he's a, a black, like, manservant who is... That, uh, you know, the character of the, like, well, he's, it's late enough, there's no way he was ever a slave, but basically he's just there yes. as a, you know, the, yeah. like, yeah, I'm sure there's a, a good archetype name for it, but it oh, it's terrible, mm. it's, it's, it's bad, Yeah, it's bad, he, the, the main guy, like, has some line about how, oh, you know, I'm going to send you over there, and you you might get caught, you might even get shot, but you know, I wouldn't ask you to do it if you hadn't been with me so long. And the guy's just like, okay, sir, and he goes over there, and I'm like, why are you making this poor? Wow. It's really bad. Yeah. Um, but the basic concept to the story was good. Um, and the film, I love, but thought that it was uh, missing things, mostly because of when it, it came out, I think. Yeah. I mean, Grace Kelly's character is just... Beautiful, but pointless. Yes. And, yeah. um, and I love Jimmy Stewart, but I was like, there's no way this guy has been in a wheelchair that long. And he's not like either drunk out of his mind all the time or in a terrible mood because he's in pain <clears throat> or addicted to the terrible painkillers they gave them. So that was the focus with um, this, because my main problem with the film was I always thought, why does she believe him right away? Yeah. Like, this is a ridiculous thing to think. And, um, I mean, he seems pretty sane, like he knows what he's talking in it, about It about in it, but I think she, that just emphasizes that she's just like a pointless 2D character, and I thought if this was happening in real life, yeah. that girl would be like, oh my god, my boyfriend's losing his mind. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. was what we did, is it's mm. a lot more, he's like, drunken on pills, and you, you don't really know how much time has passed, and it seems like he might be... Um, imagining a lot of it and you at the end still don't actually know if (coughs) the guy he saw did murder his wife or not right yeah
0: Hmm. so yeah i was i mean i was following some of the stuff that you were doing showing on instagram about the design for for rear window and i mean you were making like tv dinners (laughs) as props which is Kind of insane but also awesome because it's so right for the period.
1: Yeah. So my thinking was um he's he's a bachelor mm. living alone who travels a lot, like he's not gonna be cooking. TV yeah. dinners were kind of a new thing. Um and I wanted it to be clear and it helped too that our our actor, um Tristan, who played the lead in it, is a really thin guy mm-hmm. and like you need to look kind of sickly you know he's been sitting here yeah. god if i get a cold i don't eat for a week and i yes. lose 10 pounds you know mm-hmm. like if you had a broken leg and you cannot leave your apartment and you're on a lot of drugs like you're not going to eat well you don't ever finish things there's yeah. lots of food and that that got passed around they didn't eat so all you ever really saw him doing was drinking whiskey or coffee mm-hmm. um and then taking drugs And uh, another weird thing I've liked since I was a kid is fake food. I have no (laughs) idea. It's another weird one. Like, I remember being really, really small. And um, I think it was probably a scholar's choice. There was some kind of store I would go to with my mom sometimes that had, like, it was, like, rubber fake food that looked really real. And I loved it. And I was in speech therapy as a kid until I was 12. And the speech therapist had fake food. I think the point of it was that I would have to like say with the things where we practice pronouncing yeah. it, but I just wanted to play with it. And I remember she'd be like, "You have to do your exercises, and then you can play with it." Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mm. uh, I always liked it. A few years ago, I took a course on making prop food at Stratford Off the Wall, okay. Stratford, which is a great place, and I wish it wasn't so far away. Yeah, it's, like, a really cool um, practical production courses, and yeah. they're affordable. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so I made I made a TV dinner that you didn't wow. see. It's like this last show I just did. I made chicken marsala, which took a probably like four hours in
0: total, and definitely nobody saw it. It could have been an empty dish. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> but, you know, it's good practice.
0: It's also great. I mean, the actor knows it's there.
1: Yeah, that's, I, that's I have had them, them yeah. say they like yeah. that. And you yeah. can put it on social media and be like, look, here's a thing. Yeah. Do little tutorials on Bygone. And,
0: yeah, that's yeah. great. So let's talk about the, uh, the, 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 the TITC.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the Independent Theatre Coalition, um, where did that start for you?
1: Oh, probably, I think I probably thought of it around 2014, the first time. Um, because I started realizing how many groups have this weird idea that we're all in competition with mm-hmm. one another. Yeah. And maybe, like I didn't go to drama school, so maybe when you're being taught how to audition for things and stuff, that's instilled in you more. But from like a production side of stuff, I'm like, there's no competition, unless there's two shows opening the same play the same night mm-hmm. with the same run. Yeah. Like, you know, even if you had two different, well, everyone's doing Dream, and someone yeah. nice Dream this year, they're not in competition with no. each other. Um, But a lot of people seem to think they were. I I did the New York Fringe in 2014, and I went with this not very good show. But I was just there as the stage manager, and then I was trying to help promote it. And I was making a point of going around and meeting the different people. I met some really cool people there, actually. um, Like Amber Ruffin, Mm -hmm. who does the late night with Seth Meyers now, was there before she got that gig. Mm. Um, and she came up from LA and we talked to them and their show was actually really good. So we were like cross promoting and them doing that for us helped us. I don't yeah. think we helped them in any way, but still. Um, and the producer, who was also the writer, director, lead actor in it, was really pissed at me for doing that. And I was like, I don't know how you think we're supposed to promote ourselves in a city where we don't know anybody. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure getting to know the other people here and getting to know the people who have successful shows is going to help us.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Um, so I thought that was weird. And I had that uh, with a bunch of other shows I've, I've worked with. I worked for a theater company for six months that <laughs> I won't get into a thing about. But I was there as a producer And we had like our big opening launch party. And so there was all different industry people. And when I would take pictures and put it on our Instagram, I would tag our company along with the companies I knew these people worked with. And I got reamed out for that. And I was like, because they say, oh, you're promoting the other companies. And it's like, well, first off, I don't know what's wrong with that, if that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But also like it's a community and yeah. you're seeing other that's what you do that's the whole point of like a hashtag or something is you tag people yeah. so it gets spread but yeah I just I kept encountering that and I thought it was really funny that if you talk to individuals they'd always be like oh yeah but I want to support your show and everything and then you say great hey you run this company let's do something and it's just radio silence
0: yeah it's I don't know if it comes from because I don't know if it's a recent thing, but when I was in theater school, there was no like nobody instilled in us that we were in competition. But mm-hmm. I do see what 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 I see it at Fringe sometimes where people yeah. are reluctant to like yes they will cross promote, but only if it's like really good for them. Yeah. Um, and whereas I come from a theater from a from a Fringe background of of like there is audience enough for everybody, mm-hmm. um, especially in independent theater in this city because the average person thinks about theater as an expensive thing. Like they're yeah. thinking of the Mervis shows and like all that stuff. And independent theater is not. And so here we are with like all these independent theater shows that have like really affordable tickets all hoarding their audiences. Yep. Like when, since our shows are, are affordable, like we could share that and not lose anything because mm-hmm. your audience it's probably going to be my audience too. And so we all benefit if we just sort of spread it around, you know, what did, uh, when, when you were, when did that become something that, that, that you finally decided like, this has to happen now?
1: Hmm. I mean, a few years ago I started trying to put stuff together Mm -hmm. and quickly realized how big of
0: a project project it would be. Yeah.
1: Um, But I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and he was like, think of how much time you put into a a single production, and if you dedicate that to this, where do you think it could go? And Mm -hmm. that sort of stuck with me, but Mm -hmm. then I kept working on shows that took up a lot of time, and then I finally had a bit of a gap and was like, okay, maybe Mm -hmm. I should do this. Um, and I'd mentioned the idea to some people and got some positive response. And I thought, okay, well, at least there's like a handful of people who might be interested. Mm-hmm. And so let's see what will happen. Um, so I guess it was, I think it was back in October was when I started actually sharing things around, mm-hmm. um, and then had to pause again. Cause I did rear window and that <laughs> took up a lot of time and then got going on again. And then I did false claims and that mm-hmm. took up a lot of time, um, But yeah, I've it's I I need to get a a little core group of people to help with Mm -hmm. it because there's no money. Um, I'm used to doing things for no money, but it needs I need like three months of like full time work to actually get it up and running so that it can go. And I can't do that by myself. Um, but I did get some things started that got people noticing it, so I'm hoping with more of a push, yeah. maybe something will happen.
0: What do what what? So what are the what are the responsibilities of a company that that joins the the independent theater coalition? Because they don't they don't pay anything to be nope. part of it. So nope. what do they get out of it, and what do they have to do to be part of it?
1: So some of this is still a little up in the air mm-hmm. because there's the ideas I had for it initially. Um, but I don't want to be like, Emily Dix runs Toronto yes, Theatre. I want course, it to be a yeah. coalition. So there's the stuff I sort of started with it. And then um, I've had a few people make some suggestions. So we really need to have another um, like meeting and mm. have a member meeting and vote on it. But at the moment, um, yeah, there's no membership fees. Uh, so the, the hope is that you join and everyone has to put in sort of an even amount of work for right. it to work. Um, which is always a risky thing sure. to try. Um, but in theory, when you join, um, you have this group of uh, different companies. And when you're doing something like auditions or a show and you share a thing, all of these other people are supposed to share that for you too. Sure. So that all of their networks are seeing your stuff and there'll be some overlap. But mm-hmm. um, hopefully that means that everybody's... Uh, reach will grow and their followers will grow mm-hmm. so we do track every month um actually i have to do that for the beginning of august um how many followers the different groups have mm-hmm. and they have been going up i mean it doesn't mean i can say that it's because of this i hope it has something sure, to do with yeah, that yeah, but i'm yeah. definitely going to put it in a grant uh, application one day and say well look this happened let's mm-hmm. it's, hope it's um yeah so so there's that there's just the, the sharing of things like that and then the hope is that um because we're all groups that have a similar sort of mindset as to how things should work, we'll also help support each other's shows when we're not working on one. Mm -hmm. Most companies are only doing, a lot are only doing one show a year. Uh, Most aren't doing more than three. There's certainly no no companies like a a Tarragon level thing where they've got constant production. So when you're not doing something... I'm sure I'm not the only person who, when a show wraps is suddenly like, oh, my God, what do I do with all yes. my time? Yeah. That's a great time to reach out and be like, oh, hey, what do you need a hand with? Oh, flyering, or you need someone for front of house, mm-hmm. or uh, you're trying to do a budget? Do you want to look at what I just did? And, yeah. You know? Um, so it's supposed to be that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, we've, we've played with a few different ways we can kind of track that, because... Um, At the moment, I feel a little bit like a a mom being like, you know, oh, you have to share this thing (sighs) and stuff. Uh, Hopefully, eventually, everybody will just sort of do it naturally. Um, I made like a chart. (laughs) That was the way I thought we could track it. But then I've been told by a few people, I think you're making it too complicated, which is (laughs) probably true. Like, it would be really useful for us. It would be really useful data. But uh, people are accustomed to just everything being quick and easy. Sure. And so at least to start when they don't see what they're getting out of it, like it's got to be really easy to do. Yeah. Um, which means it's a lot harder for of us on the production yeah. side of it. Um, yeah. We also started up a um, uh, like online newspaper blog, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it thing, um, which is specifically for Toronto, Toronto indie theater, mm-hmm. because there are things like um, intermission. They're a little bit broader. And, I found that any group that starts off promoting indie theater, as soon as they get anything bigger that's paying attention to them, they kind of forget about the indie shows.
0: Yes, yeah, I've seen yeah. that with a
1: lot of um, like publicity groups and mm-hmm. stuff. Where you know, I, I had been going to hire a publicist, and it was going to be like three thousand bucks, but it's like, you know, we need some of the connections, and then I started talking to more people from the smaller companies, and they were like, no, because you know, we had this person, and then they got factory as a client. And then suddenly they didn't do any of our stuff. Right, yeah. And I think the same happens with um, with like the newspapers and things, sure. you know, we keep losing more and more reviewers. There's more reviewers popping up who aren't real reviewers. And uh, it's really hard to get a story. Yeah. And I know with some of them, you cannot get a story unless you are already paying for ads. Um, Mm -hmm. which is just, Mm -hmm. like, only borderline legal because you're supposed to say, like, then it's technically sponsored content. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't want any of of that. So the hope was that this would be something where, like, right now we don't have a huge viewership, but if I could get some more people to write it with me because I can't write enough stuff, um, then we would have anything from, you know, interviews with people um, to... We do top ten lists. um, Mm. It's supposed to just be anything that is relevant to specifically Toronto indie artists. Mm. And I would like it to be at a point where anybody who's like, hey, I have a show coming up, can we do an interview? If they can make time for it, we can make time for it. And we'll have those sort of things. Um, Yeah. I I got to interview the the woman who wrote the Fringe show that won the Best New Play this Mm -hmm. year.
0: Yeah.
1: And... I was glad after that I did. I mean, she was interesting anyway. I I went into it pretty psyched for
0: it because she she gave a good interview.
1: I was looking through Now's list. They they reviewed almost all the shows, but they didn't do that one.
0: It's so amazing how many shows they missed because they, as the media sponsor, they... I would have thought they would review all the shows.
1: Yeah, well, or if they're going to miss some, how do you miss what won best play? When past years, the ones that won best play were like Kim's Convenience and Bang Bang, and like
0: it's so interesting because the I've, I've noticed the, the decline of that award over a few mm-hmm. years because it used to be pretty massive. Like not yeah. only did you, did you get a slot in 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 the fringe, there was also like a financial thing, which I think mm-hmm. the serial is, but there was yeah. also a. At at one point, there was like a media company that was also going to – like a a promo Mm -hmm. company that was going to work with you in terms of of helping you promote the show and things like that. That's fallen off. And since that's fallen off, I think the important – I mean, it's great that that, that, that you get the opportunity to do a show and all that stuff, but also – It's gotten less attention over the last few years.
1: Yeah. Which is a little silly for a fringe, which I always thought the point was like half the people there want to put on a show. They know couldn't really be sustained Mm -hmm. elsewhere. And the other half want to sort of workshop a thing and see if it could become something. sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's always the attitude of Mm -hmm. it, but I think that's like the basic spirit
0: of the fringe, but it's supposed to be like the opportunity to try things out. Yeah, exactly. Um, there were a number of uh, of uh, of TITC people who had shows in the in the yeah. fringe this past year. So, um, did you find? Because also you had buttons you were you were handing. Yeah, out I still like have that. lots of buttons. Did 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 you find like when you were giving people buttons that they were they interested in in like what they were for? Or? Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: I've found, and I think this is probably just a thing with anything new. Everyone I've talked to when I first told them about it sounds really interested. Mm-hmm then maybe 30% of the people I talk to who say, oh, I'll totally get in touch, do get in touch. Mm-hmm. And then maybe 2% of those people, after I respond to them, respond back Yes, again. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know there is um, interest. I've gotten interest from people from different levels of things. I did the, um, the fringe tent producing mm-hmm. intensive thing this yeah. year and met a bunch of other people um, emerging producers, mm-hmm. most of whom were a lot younger than me. But um, I talked to them about it, yeah. and a lot of them were interested and had some mm-hmm. some different ideas, and they've helped share some of the stuff. Um, there's some people in that that I definitely want to talk to about doing mm-hmm. more with it. I mentioned it to some of the um, very established people who came in to do, like, the workshops and things, and there's – I have a big, long list of all these people I have to try and have, like, coffee meetings with mm-hmm. for stuff. Um, yeah, so it has – it has promise. It's just, mm-hmm. like... It's a lot of work. Sure. It just takes a... it's It takes a lot of time because I have ideas but not, like, specific things. Well, you're one you know? person
0: who's trying yeah, to get a too. thing going. And, 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 and yeah. I mean, I think that it is a it is a great idea and very much needed in, in, in the city, especially a city where there is... There are so many independent companies. Yeah. Um, and, again, we're not in competition. Yes. So... We should be, like, working together.
1: Yeah. Well, and doing more co-pros, too. That was Mm. a a thing that... I forget who brought it up. I think it was somebody who has worked with Fujin. Mm. Um, But someone, when people were asking, like, how do you put on a show because it costs so much money? Uh, Something that came up a couple times was reach out to much bigger companies if you're doing something that they could be remotely interested in because mm. most of them, uh, the charities do have some sort of fund for like community development. And they said that they're, they'd done lots of shows where they would, you know, get like two to 500 bucks, but from a, a much bigger company whose name you can also put on the, yes. Thing
0: then, yeah.
1: Right. And so I got thinking about that more and, as I've been meeting people through TITC and just other theater stuff, realizing how many little companies have really similar mandates, but never do anything together. Mm -hmm. And so this year bygone is doing um, a new musical and we're doing it as a co-production with Sapling, which Mm -hmm. is a a brand new company. They've done like a concert before, but this will be their first full production. Mm -hmm. Um, And those guys, what they, um, Brian Kling and uh, Rob Sapienza, what they want to do for Sapling is basically what we want to do for Um, the TITC they wanted like kind of a community thing so Mm -hmm. I think they'll be really helpful with that um yeah and I've I've met some other groups and it's like we need to start trying to work with the different companies more in whatever capacity um because I don't know I, I guess everybody who has their own creative idea wants to go make their own company not every idea deserves a company no and um it's just not sustainable because there yeah. is only so much money in, like, the funding sphere to go around. Well, that's the so thing. So let's get together. Also, I
0: do know that, like, from what I hear, like, there's a lot of, like, funding tends to leave Toronto because Toronto is such a big place. Yes. like this center thing. So yeah. a lot of the funding bodies are like, well, let's, we're looking to give money to companies that are not in Toronto. Yeah. Which I understand. There's a lot of us here. And yeah. there's a lot of places that aren't seeing money. So yeah. I get that. But that sort of means that the, the, we have to work towards other things yeah well
1: Shadow Path that's the whole reason they mm-hmm. exist they, yeah. they're up in um, is it Vaughn technically mm-hmm. or something like they're not far away but they've gotten great funding yes because yeah. they're not based in Toronto right. they don't do their yeah. shows in Toronto so yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. are there I mean here I'm thinking like like uh, opportunities to get people together because one of the reasons why I think people don't think about working together is because they don't meet face to face yes right <laughs> And so we're all off in our own internet lands and things like that. Yeah. And and our, like even if it's just like, you know, coffee night at the TITC mm-hmm. or something like that, which is... That's be the thing a great, we yeah. want to
1: start to do. Yeah. yeah. We wanted to have... Probably monthly is realistic. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's... <laughs> meet, any more meetups. than that is
0: is not. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, we wanted to have things that were uh, really casual ones where everybody's working together. So like the Bellows mm-hmm. um, is great and they have ones that are more like come and learn about a thing. And there's mm. different ones like that, you know, workshops that come up, uh, you usually have to pay for, but I wanted to have things where it would be at like a, a coffee shop or mm-hmm. something, where you just all are working on similar things and come and work to, like a study group basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did some of that during the tent thing um, like during lunches and stuff, we would be talking about budgets. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to people who had never made a budget before and they were like, but where do you get these numbers? And like, well, you've, you've researched it. Yes, so we yes. just started, you know, <laughs> yeah. like going through things and being mm-hmm. like one person would say, Oh, I spent this for that. And someone else would say, Oh no, I got my printing here and you can get for as little as that. And like yeah. just these things that are, um, really helpful, but people seem to be hesitant to just put out into the world. um, But it's like, it's just so much faster. You know, I have countless lists of of, like things that are are related to Bygone that I can reach out to for sponsorship things and all these people I meet and that like it. But it's so, there's so much information. Mm -hmm. It's sort of tricky to sort through and to keep updated. And I feel like if we got, there must be other people who have the same insane weird lists that I do. And if we all got together and we're like, hey, everyone's making a budget now. Okay. Let's all look up printing things and go over what we've spent on this and, um, you know, or even to talk about venues, um, because especially with the, with any of the negative stuff that happens in theater, there's always whispers of it going around, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's never like a lot of problems get repeated and a lot of problem people keep Mm -hmm. getting work because if you don't meet the right people, you never hear about it. Yeah. Um, I don't want to start like open a can of worms by like, you know, making a thing where like, let's make a list of all the terrible people in terrible places. But I do think there's a benefit to like us all working together and, and being able to say, you know, oh, I'm thinking of hiring this person. Eh, well, maybe not. Or this person is great. Yeah. Uh, like you should definitely hire them for something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So having just really general, themes like now we're going to work on producing or today it's you know the TAC grant or mm. whatever um and also I think we take some of the stress off like that's yeah. half of the point of study group is so that you actually get it done yeah whatever grant season comes up my Facebook is flooded with people writing stuff like I'm losing my mind yes, come distract yeah. me or if mm. you see me on here tell me to get off I'm supposed to be writing and, like yeah. so you know if we just got together and did it and complained mm. together and edited each other's things you
0: know yeah, yeah yeah also it'd be great to do like monthly is really great for that sort of thing but maybe like even a, a um a quarterly like just like why don't we just hang out yes like, yeah you know we'll go we'll we'll be at this place and we'll have some coffee and we'll we'll just like talk about stuff and not yep. work or just like you know here we are what comes up mm-hmm. you know and, and and give people the opportunity to like Meet, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, meet
1: people when you're not trying to impress them because you're you're working with them. Right. And hopefully make lasting connections. Yes, like yeah. Like, when you do a show, you spend so much time with these people. And I know most shows I've done, it's like every night you go up for drinks with yes. them. And you learn all these really intimate things. And then everyone goes and does different shows and you don't see them.
0: I, I know. Mean, it's it's the, the weird thing that happens in, in theater where you yeah. form these really intimate families Yeah. for a period of however long the show is on. Yeah. And then when it's over, the family breaks up. It's like, yeah. it's like, literally like, your family breaks up. And so no wonder we get depressed after a show. Yeah. And then we don't talk to those people anymore.
1: Yep. Yep. Except at Fringe, which I think is why. Except at, at yeah. Fringe,
0: when you run into people and you're like, oh my God, you, I remember you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we need more of those.
0: If you were to um imagine what the TITC could become. What do you imagine it being for the ecosystem of, of indie indie mm-hmm. theater in Toronto?
1: In a magical world, mm-hmm. we would have, uh, basically every indie company there is. Um, and we've defined those as they have to have produced at least one show before mm-hmm. and have plans to produce another thing within a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so not collectives that have just done a single thing. Um, they are indie if they are making some attempt to pay people, even if they're not succeeding. So mm-hmm. not community theater. Right. Um, I like community theater, but it, they, we just don't have the same needs. Right. Um, but also not not something like Factory or Tarragon, where they, they have regular operating budgets, mm. um, significant ones. So you could be doing um, a... A collective agreement, you could be doing a profit share, you could have managed to raise the money to pay everybody a full equity wage, but mm-hmm. you're doing one show that year. Um, that sort of stuff. So all the groups that are doing those kind of things um, would all be a part of it. They we would see more cross-advertising for people and more... Like actual social things, not mm-hmm. just like let's get an ad in somebody's program, but like saying, Hey, th- this little group is doing a thing and this is their you know second ever show, and have the bigger groups like acknowledge that on yes. social media. Yeah, yeah. Things yeah. that are really seem really obvious, and at times I've had big companies do that with us, but it really depends on who you are and who you know, yeah. and um, trying to. Get out of some of the cliquiness of that and maybe just be like, but we're all in a, in the same yes, sort yeah. of thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's not going to hurt you to be like happy opening to people because that just helps build the, the community. Then you're not, you don't feel as uh, anxious about reaching out to people who are more successful than you because they've already said something nice exactly. about you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, There would be a uh, a ticketing platform that everybody would use, which is a thing I'm really trying to get now, but it it requires a significant amount to get started. Yes, yeah. Um, But something where it's a central hub, and you can go and buy tickets to any Toronto indie thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, one of the big things I want to set up is a... um, uh, a subscription deal, mm-hmm. because if you look at established companies where they make a lot of their money is in subscriptions yes, and that's, it just allows you to actually plan things. You know, um, if you know you 20% of your ticket sales every year come from your subscribers yes. and you know your subscriber base, right? Um, so it, basically trying to find ways to look at what the larger companies have that make them su- succe- yes. successful, um, things that aren't really plausible with like one small company but when we all come together could be a thing yes yeah Yeah. so having something where we encourage people to buy a subscription to support Toronto Indie Theatre at a whole hopefully that would get people going out to see shows they wouldn't see Mm -hmm. if we got as many groups as I would like to have one day you would be able to do something like say you know I want to see a show the first Friday of every month Mm -hmm. and I would pick for you or I want to see only new Canadian work or I want to see um, you know female driven whatever have mm. all the different things um when we start it will probably just be these are your shows but yes, yeah. um there is a lot of variety and it's really hard to reach out to the the different communities that are interested in that and it's also hard to convince people if you're doing a show and you're like okay i'm gonna do a an Indian version of um, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. It's easy for people to be like, okay, let's reach out to the different Indian communities and switch it to Mm -hmm. belly dancing groups or something. But then I think they're thinking so much on how we can get those people in that then (laughs) they end up alienating any other groups. They're like, oh, that's not for me then because they're doing something specific. So if we had something that just encourages people to go just see any indie stuff, then hopefully we would be getting all the different people who would be willing to go see theater. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully too, if they see something from a group they've never heard of, they'd be like, Oh, okay. I want to see their other things and that will help them grow all of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I also want to have an award system because I have, um, some strong feelings about the Doras, uh, as a lot of people I've talked to do. Um, we just don't, we don't live in a country that really celebrates the arts and the few things that do get celebrated are like so specific. Yeah. And in Toronto, I know there are, um, my, my entertainment awards mm-hmm. and Broadway world. Those are nice, but I know at least in the community, while people get really excited if they get one, they don't have the same sort of stock.
0: No. Um, yeah.
1: but the Doras, um, even though it's supposed to be, since it's through TAPA, you know, a thing that could be for anybody, they're not. Like, it's, it's for a different level. Um, and not a different level in, in skill or talent or anything, but a different level in terms of uh, the funding behind it, for sure. Um, so, like, I, I went to the, um, when they announced the nominations, this year Mm -hmm. and seeing that and seeing some of the groups that got nominated in the indie category before and they were doing like co-pros with like soul pepper um that's great and i'm glad that a group is like
0: yes smaller has been
1: able to do that but that we're trying to judge people who are working with a company like soul pepper Mm -hmm. alongside something that you know is maybe run by two people and the entire show is done for two thousand dollars yes yeah yeah But this is where you know where people get started. You talk to anyone who's any of the successful people running these big companies; Mm -hmm. they started in indie stuff. Yeah. um, But there's not really anything currently to help that. We had a big push in the '70s, and that's why all our theaters are from the '70s, and why all the people running them were young in the '70s. We don't have that. I don't think we can count on getting that from our government anytime. I don't think that's ever going to
0: happen again. I think it was a one-time thing. That built the foundation for, for a theater in Toronto and probably in Canada, but I don't think we're ever going to see it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have to do something ourselves. And the only way to do that, um, and to not all go broke is to be like, well, let's put all of our resources together and try and try and do something. So I'd like to see, um, an award system that, uh, acknowledges more people behind the scenes as mm-hmm. well. I know that's a thing I've, I've seen some people get really angry about with the, the Doros is some of the tech stuff that gets yeah. overlooked. Um, things also like marketing um, because I've seen some shows where I look at their, their social media and their marketing and think this is fucking brilliant, you know? Yes, yeah. um, especially knowing that like that's something that kind of gets left out in a lot of things I think because people they, they run out of money and, I don't know, I, I think a lot of people have this this idea that, like, people will just come see your show because you're well, doing it. Well, that's the it.
0: thing. That's you the know? thing. It's like that's an, a very early mistake. Well, I'm yes. doing a show, of course people are going to come and see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize that, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Or and, you realize too late that you have to get media and you have to promote the show. Yeah. Those are... Two things that I've seen happen. Yeah,
1: and that stuff that takes a lot of work and a lot of skill. Yes, and it's not until you see something that's done really well and realize, (laughs) oh yeah, okay, these people know what they're doing. Yes, you realize how many aren't very good. Um, So I think there, you know, something for that. And then also for um, community-based stuff, Uh, we want to have something that's like um, commitment to community, commitment to um, uh, outreach, accessibility. Because these are things that we talk a lot about in Toronto Mm theatre, but we seem to only really talk about through the scope of what grants we can get. And there's a lot of stuff where it's like, I think a lot of things fall into, into like tokenism and Mm -hmm. okay, we want to do a show and we, we have to not have it be all white people. So we're going to make sure we have a black actor and a Chinese actor and whatever. And they make a point of trying to do that for that show. And then they, Push and promote that—that's what they're doing—and then they just sort of abandon it again after, because they just need it for that, Yes, um, yeah. which doesn't help anything. No, you know, no. you also end up with the same handful of people who get into a lot of um, productions, then, and that—that that doesn't help yeah. anything either. Um, if we want to actually encourage like multi- multiculturalism in theater, then we have to start a little younger than waiting till we're at the professional level and taking anyone who's there. You have to be like, okay, well, why don't we have as many? you know, Indian actors or whatever it is. Um, so groups that actually make a point of trying to uh, do educational things mm-hmm. or finding um, plays that are written by people in that community or that resonate with them or whatever it is um, so that they're getting some encouragement yeah. and actually keep doing it. Yeah. Cause it can be really tricky.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, there's, there's reasons why there's less people in certain things, it's not as simple as they're just being pushed out. It's, it's so much more complicated than that. So, um, if we want to encourage people who are either not making money or making very little money to take the risks and put the time into that, there has to be something. Yeah. So, when there's no money, I feel like an award, a good job, we yes. notice you're doing this is yeah. something. Um, the same with stuff for like accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- that's one I talk to people a lot about. Is it's uh, that's a, such a complicated like. It's a thing I've wanted to do a lot with bygone and mm-hmm. haven't really known how to do. Like we have basic things like we only do our shows in, in wheelchair accessible spaces, right, which yeah. is sort of a a bare minimum, but is still actually quite difficult to do in the city. Yes. Yeah. Uh, especially if you want something cheap. Um, yeah. But how, how do you actually extend it and make it accessible, especially for people with um, invisible disabilities, mm-hmm. which is what I've always been passionate about. Um, and how do you do that when you don't, have money i have a big list of things i would do if i could employ people sure we like you know i i have an anxiety disorder so like i know all the things that would help me and yeah. things i'd like to do but it all comes back to money of course yeah. Like so what do we do when you can't actually pay anybody and yeah so yeah trying to encourage people to look for um ways to be accessible mm. um all that stuff so yeah, yeah. so having awards that mm. recognizes all of the stuff on stage, like we do with everything, but also all the things behind the scenes and all the stuff that goes into actually growing and helping our community. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that was a really long, winded no, answer but it's for good. what it's I want good. to see. No.
0: And I think, I think that all of that stuff would be, would be great to see happen. <laughs> and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about the, 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 the whole thing is so that we could like get people hearing about it more and, and, and uh, raise awareness of, of the coalition. So, I really appreciate you you coming on. Thank you so much for for. Thank for coming you for on.
1: listening to me ramble on.
0: For- this has been a Homebody Productions. Production.